Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. It's time for Game Day, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, with your hosts, Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining us on today, Championship Day, that is, as your Fighting Irish have a rematch with the Clemson Tigers, the winner being crowned the 2020 AC champs. Did we ever think we'd hear that those words? I don't know that we saw that coming for Notre Dame playing in a conference, and then once they did join the conference and started to play, did we ever think with the pandemic's scare at the university back in September that the season would even continue on. And now your, full, your fighting Irish have morphed into a team that's respected by the whole country. Couldn't ask very, mo- very much more. Today's show will include player guests from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and the 2000s. We will get their opinion of the Irish, go down memory lane for some stories of when they played, and just have some good old fun as we talk fighting Irish football. But first, a shout-out to our in-studio producer, Matt Embry, back in the studio. My co-host, Vince D'Addario, is going to join us now, and we're both in our secret locations. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's not What's so much on, of a Vince? secret for me, but, uh, you know, I'm hanging out in my basement just like I do for uh, Sports Beat during the week and uh, everything else. So, uh, But, no, this this is – who would have figured, number one, that Notre Dame would be playing December 19th uh, because right. that never happens. The last nope. game of the season is always over Thanksgiving, or at least recently, right? Uh, and that they would be playing for a conference title. Um, look, it could not have worked out any better for Notre Dame, for the ACC. Uh, this is what the ACC envisioned when they allowed Notre Dame to come on as a full partner this year, that it would be the best two teams vying for spots in the college football playoff and those big paydays. Um, so everybody's seeing dollar signs, so they're all happy, and Notre Dame has an opportunity to win a conference title and then just say, Peace out, everybody. We'll take our trophy. We're going back into independence. We're so taking our, our NBC money and going. That's right. So, hey, and we got a feisty coach for this week. I don't know if the next two guests have heard about this, but Brian Kelly was like the old Brian Kelly. So they asked him to make an opening statement yesterday. He said, let's go. Let's play. Enough statements. I don't know what else you guys want me to say. We made it through the COVID. We've tested six times. Let's go. Let's play. Well, and he and also that wasn't even the tip of the iceberg of what he got into. Then. I was going to say he also said he doesn't want to play in California if the families can't be there. And look, sure. you're you are the head coach at Notre Dame. You've got weight. You you've got influence. Why not put it out there? Look, sure. it, if it comes, if push comes to shove, of course they're going to play in the game. They're not going to boycott the college football playoff. But he makes a good point. If you can have two football teams and all their staff fly into a state, stay in a hotel and play a football game where they're literally crashing into each other, you're telling me that you can't bring in a 1,000 family members from both sides <laughs> in an 80,000-seat stadium? There's yeah. plenty of room for social distancing if that's the problem. I, I just think it's it's very nearsighted or very it, – it's, it's just the people of California need to pull their head out if they want to have this particular yeah. game in Southern California. And, and to, it's college – Sports, your family should be allowed to be there to watch them play, period. So I, I, a, I love it. I'm glad he, he stuck his neck out I'll there. I do too. Let's get uh, the opinion of our next two guests that we're going to spend some time with. 
They're from the 1988 Fighting Irish National Championship team. Both linebackers, Ned Bolkar and Scott Kolowski. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, Tim. Good morning. How you doing? Good morning. Morning, so guys. Let's, let's start with you, Ned. So with all, you know, I'm, I know you follow all this stuff. You know, I've been talking quite a bit. And real quick to you, too, you look healthy and everything. You told me the pandemic bit you a little bit, too. Yeah. Uh, back in November 9th, I was diagnosed with COVID. Uh, you know, a few bad days out of uh, three weeks. It felt like the flu. I'm better. My family's doing well. Uh, I'm excited to watch the game today at 4 o'clock, cheering for the Irish. And uh, I, I have to agree with uh, Brian Kelly. You know, Scott's on the call with me, and our parents saw almost every single game we played in our four or five years in their name. And as a player, I'm sure all the players want their parents there. Um, I still think they'll play the game just despite what they rule it in California. Right. But then again, I'm not a big California or New Jersey fan at the moment. <laughs> Scott? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, look, I have kids who, uh, daughters who play play sports collegiately and uh, in high school, and I, you know, you want to be a part of that. Those are some of the greatest memories I've ever had. Been yep. in, in to Ned's point, my mom and dad, my senior year, didn't miss a game, home or away. So, you know, right. that's that's it's uh, it's very important to the fabric of the of the family and the Notre Dame family and your own family. So, you know, you want to be able to share those memories and and celebrate that stuff. So, I think um, I think it's a valid point. And as a as a player, it doesn't hurt that your coach is up there standing up for you guys, right? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's another yeah. you know, um, you know, uh, uh, a way to support the guys and you know fire them up a bit, you know, and kind of bond everybody together. And that, you know, I think that uh, you know coaches find a way to do that. So he's uh, he's done a good job. Yes. So let's let's kind of go back in time. We'll work our, our way forward. I'll take Vince's favorite question that he always likes to ask, and he's going to have to come up with a different one. Let's start when you guys were getting recruited out of your high high school. We'll start with you, Scott. This this time, tell me what the other schools were looking for. How was that? How was that process? Um, so, I my I was I was eighty. My I was senior in nineteen eighty seven. So I'm what two years younger than you, Ned. I don't know. So, yes, uh, about two years. Um, so I I grew up. Uh, my father played as well. So my dad played at Virginia and then played in the NFL. So I, I had a little bit of a head start and maybe a little bit of an advantage because so he helped me with my process but uh, i started getting all these letters you know and um a guy named jim herman who coached me in high school was the defensive coordinator played at michigan and was defensive coordinator at michigan so i was getting recruited by michigan michigan state you know a lot of different schools as ned did as well you know um and i ended up narrowing it down to my five visits which were michigan state ucla notre dame virginia my dad's alma mater and colorado and, you know, through a process uh, that my dad helped me set up with, you know, setting a criteria one, you know, what what do you want to get out of school, right? Obviously, education number one, and then, you know, all the other stuff that follows it. And then I would I went on my visits and uh, and then graded them out after and did it very sequentially and, and had some sort of um, context to put my decision in and bounce that off the criteria. And then and then there's the gut feeling, too, right? What do you, you know, what right. do you feel? You go there and like, ooh. I, you know, I love this about Notre Dame or I love I didn't like this or, you know, whatever the case may be. And then I actually graded it out. So um, it was a very uh, insightful process. And I'm very fortunate to have that opportunity uh, when I went through it. So it, it was a good process for me. But at the end of the day, I had a feeling that I wanted to go to Notre Dame for the school. Uh, and then what you could feel the the momentum and, you know, with Coach Holtz and everybody, um, I was recruited by um, – Initially, Kurt Schottenheimer, 
who yeah. actually lives here in Detroit still because he coached here for the Lions um, after I was gone. But um, anyway, I saw I saw uh, Kurt actually this fall <laughs> at a golf course, <laughs> and um, and he left because his his brother took the job at Cleveland, and then he left. Um, right after signing day and went to, uh, to Cleveland. But then I had Foch Fazio and then Barry and everybody else. So it was a great experience uh, for me personally. It was My mom and dad were very involved in it because obviously, um, you know, they want to be part of you know, their kids' lives and, and see, you know, where they're sure. going. So it was, it was a great experience. I, I really, I don't know, today's, today's recruiting is a total mystery to me with social media and how things are done. <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to be. And I shouldn't say that. I mean, it, it's all it's all relative and based on you know where you're at in your life. But it's just so different to me. So <laughs> that's you that's it. my experience. You know, my, and my my daughters uh, have gone through the through the college um, uh, recruiting process for volleyball. So I, you know, it, it's a little different, but it's the same. So it's a different process these days, Ned. Yeah, I'll tell you guys, Vince and Tim, it's a different deal. So, sure, Tim, that that might that might have been the most cerebral uh, approach to the recruiting process that we've heard on this show. Most it's I went to the campus and that yeah. was it. I was done, or you know, my dad went there or whatever. But that, having the checklist and I mean, that's I love I got, that. That's awesome. Vince, I got I got the feeling he was a linebacker reading the uh, offense or the or the line reading the the offense. Well, my dad was an offensive lineman and. Um, I think there's a a, 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 no, a little bit of a cerebral, you know, tendency there for some of those guys. You know, not not everybody, but the, it was a very helpful process to, yeah. to kind of because Ned, I know Ned, I, I remember reading about you when I was getting recruited because I think Ned was the number one recruit in the nation or something, right? And then didn't you did, top hundred? Uh, top, <laughs> I mean, it was something. Whatever. It was whatever it was. You know, it was yeah. something. And I, I th- and, you know, so I remember reading about him and. I mean, you just and you guys, you get letters and just stuff just poured on you. Mm-hmm. And my dad actually, he said, "Look, you're getting a lot of accolades. Don't let that go to your head, okay? Yeah. So here's what we're gonna do: during the fall, you're gonna focus on school number one, and fo- and football number two. And once the process, once your season's over, then you can talk to coaches. So he he talked, he screened all the calls. Wow. wow. Yeah." And, yeah, and that didn't go over real well with some, but you know, hey, whatever. It's just what it was, right? The process was the process. So um, once that ended, it, and it, it what it did is it took a lot of pressure off of me. Right. Sure. I could Absolutely. just go be a kid. You know, I was seventeen, eighteen years old. These, you know, what, you want to go play and have fun with your buddies. You know. Absolutely. So it it was a it was a great experience from that perspective. Looking back on it now, I'm fifty two years old now. You know, at the time I was like, what? You know, it it, it just yeah. brought it, it. It it was like a big funnel and just kind of. Made it, did, made you, it easier. did you did you take on that role with your daughters then too? Uh, very much so. We yeah. had a very similar rigor and process to it um, because you know it, it can it can it can be overwhelming. Yeah, it can be overwhelming. They, you know, one is numbers. The number one thing is school, and you know that takes precedence over everything. If you can't play, and I mean, or if you can't you know get through school, you're not going to play anything. So, yep. And that was that was uh, <laughs> was driven home early. That's so. Cole, uh, Scott Kolowski from the 1988 team. Uh, we're talking on the Legacy Heating and Game Day show on WSBT. Let's go to Ned here, and I'm going to start this out by your recruiting. You know, in my uh, reading before this, I kept coming across things that kept saying a high school football legend <laughs> in the ambassador of Phillipsburg, New Jersey. So tell me what well, makes a legend I, I, in Phillipsburg, New Jersey. 
Well, it's it's easy to be a legend when you come from a small town, unlike <laughs> Detroit where uh, Harry <laughs> where God is, modest. but he's probably a legend in his own town. Uh, <laughs> I'm very fortunate. Phillipsburg, New Jersey, put out many great athletes over the years. Jim Ringo being one, Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Bill Walsh, uh, who started at Notre Dame as center for two years, not the Bill Walsh from San Francisco 49ers, but two-time All-American, coached in the NFL about 38 years. Uh, a number of other guys that played uh, on Syracuse National Championship team. Uh, Bob Stem was the starting center of the team there. Uh, Joe Zombathy, Herbie Stecker, Charlie Stecker. So the list, Jimmy Clymer played at Stanford. He was a great tight end. They got recruited by Notre Dame a couple years before me. So growing up in Lehigh Valley, uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, we're right on the New Jersey border. So we're on the Pennsylvania border. And we always played a Pennsylvania schedule. So Andre Reed, Matt Millen, Saquon Barkley. So, yeah, great wrestling, great football. And Phillipsburg, for this year, due to COVID, due to governor's decision, Easton, Pennsylvania, the second winningest program in Pennsylvania, Phillipsburg, New Jersey, the winningest in football and wrestling, have played 114 consecutive years, one of the longest traditions in the country. They called the game off. Even if they were going to move the game up uh, five days, they still called the game off the governor's. Uh, we usually play at Lafayette College in front of anywhere from fifteen to 20,000 fans on Thanksgiving Day. Wow. So um, I'm fortunate to come from a great town with a lot of pride, and I think it's an honor to be considered an ambassador or even a legend in that town. I've done well uh, <laughs> for my family, for, for myself, for the town, and I try to represent them well. But it's a great town to be from, and, and the main word you know, is pride. We're very proud where we're from Phillipsburg. So um, similar to Scott in some ways, uh, dissimilar is, you know, his father had the experience of playing in NFL, playing in Virginia, uh, kind of knew what to expect when dealing with the coaches, dealing with this level of recruiting. And he was a guiding hand and also Scott's mother for Scott. And, and as Scott said, it's, it's very time-consuming. Uh, if you get heavily recruited, you're getting thousands of letters a month, a week, you're getting phone calls. Every coach wants to talk to you. I don't care if they're from Chattanooga State or Notre Dame. They want to talk to you. <laughs> so uh, you have to have some organization. I'm fortunate to have two great parents. Uh, my mom's still alive at 91 years old. And similar to Scott, education's always been number one in our family. That's one reason Scott and I both could go to Notre Dame or Yale or any place like that we wanted to play because we're good students. So that was number one. My mom said nothing can distract you from school and playing. Uh, so they organize. My mom to this day, if I go in my basement, I have all the letters from all the coaches. I have a date book of all the phone calls that she said of when they when I'm available, when I'm not available. Mm -hmm. um, dissimilar to Scott, um, <clears throat> Notre Dame wasn't very good in 1985, 84 when I was a senior in high school. 84. Uh, Jerry Faust was there. I like Jerry very much as a man, uh, as a coach, and and the, look at the records. Uh, I got to experience that for one year, one season, and I probably would have never chosen Notre Dame if I knew ahead of time that's what was going to happen that first year. <laughs> uh, but I grew up a Notre Dame fan. You know, I just when I watched uh, Digger Phelps coaching or Arrow Procedure, Dan Devine uh, coaching, Jerry Faust, I felt myself happier when Notre Dame won than any other team. And I have Penn State four hours from my house. Uh, George Paterno show, the Joe Paterno you know, the head coach, but George's brother had a Sunday show, a replay of the game. No kidding. Uh, Matt Millen, a few other, but Mike Gooman's from the area. Uh, <laughs> Lehigh Valley played there. Uh, so it was easy to fall in love with Penn State. 
Um, plus, it would have saved my parents uh, eight hours of driving every time they went past the continue all to Indiana. Um, but I had a lot of people in Phillipsburg. You're either in that area, you're a Penn State fan or you're a Notre Dame fan. I had a lot of Notre Dame fans, uh, guys from the Jersey Hose Firehouse of Phillipsburg. There's many Jersey, different firehouses. They would go out every year and watch a Notre Dame game. And Scott, when I was out there, got to meet probably a lot of those guys out there. Uh, we had a tailgate, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, a tailgate after, yeah. Like with these guys. So anyway, I, I found myself growing up young as a Notre Dame fan. I just got more upset when they lost and, and happier when they won versus any other college team. Uh, so unique also was that before my senior year, I get a phone call from USA Today. So USA Today is a, a fairly new uh, newspaper. They wanted to – do a, a diary of a high school athlete being recruited, and they chose football as a sport. Now they had to choose the football player to follow. So they set up a call with their executive team, which might have been 15, 20 guys at a table. I don't think we had Zoom back then. We just had a phone call. <laughs> I'm, fit, I'm 16, 17 years old talking to these executives from um, USATA and the right, sports writers and whoever makes the decisions. So it turns out they interviewed about 20 guys total. So I get a phone call a week later saying, Ned, you talk to most of anybody. You, you talk fairly intelligently, and you're one of the top recruited players, so we chose you to be the player. Well, with that came a lot of, a lot of uh, pressure. Um, a, I had to daily or weekly have a call, sometimes biweekly a call with Reed Scherner, the sports writer who would be writing the diary, my ghost writer, Mike, the writer. And uh, then eventually during the season, they would come out to a couple games undercover as just a film crew. Only people in town that knew about it was my head coach, Phil Rahm, uh, the uh, principal of high school, Kennedy Lutz, and superintendent, maybe, of uh, Peter Maluzzi, and my parents. That's it. Nobody else ever knew about this. So not only were you getting recruited, Having your parents keep you on schedule for that so you weren't overwhelmed, you could focus on school. Plus, then I was playing baseball, basketball, football. So I played three sports, so there's never time off. Sure. But throughout the spring, I talked to Reed. Summer basketball, football conditioning, summer camp into the season. And um, we end up losing the second game of the season. You know, we end up uh, winning, winning the conference, losing that only one game, winning on Thanksgiving Day. But it was a lot to do. It was a lot in the articles came out the two days before signing date, the day before signing date, and the day of the signing date. Three consecutive days. Now, I won't mention names, but I'm sure a few coaches out there were very scared. They might have said something to them. I won't mention schools or names. But, uh, you know, there's a few schools out there that, that offer a little bit more than you should get. And but I was never looking. Uh, and it never turned out in the articles. Uh, but, you know, couple funny stories. One time I had a coach from Ohio State and Penn Michigan at my front door at the same time. They oh, were oh wow. So one had to wait at the gas station and called from the gas station uh, you know, phone booth until uh, the guy from Michigan and find out where the Bay guy phone, was. right? Yeah, back in the day. No cell phone, right? No cell phones. And I remember when the guy from UCLA, recruiter from UCLA, left, they showed a, a video or, or a tape of the campus in the, in the team and, the, and all the beautiful girls on campus and when he walked out, I said to my mom, I said, I'm going to take a trip to UCLA and cancel my Stanford trip. She goes, no, you're not. <laughs> so when Scott wow. said UCLA, I said, I understand. Um, well. <laughs> so I, I took a visit. My Notre Dame visit was the first one of the year. 
Boston College, Penn State, Ohio State, and uh, Stanford. Uh, Stanford more so academically back then, too far though for my family. Notre Dame was my worst visit. I, I had fun. Rick DiBernardo was my host, great guy. Uh, I didn't. I thought it was an old boys school till the second day I was there. Um, I, uh, I the team was very disappointed even from that that meeting. Even from that time out there, I, I, I could feel little niches, and you know they were going through four tough years, going on number five, and it was rainy and it was cold. It, it was not a, a good trip. Uh, but I love Notre Dame. Um, I, you know, other trips were wonderful, and when it finally came down to it, the article runs in the USA Today. I got to make a decision before signing dates the next day, right? Scott said that the, the recruiting game would change. You got one day to make your decision basically back then. That's it. Right? You announced it and you were done. That was it. In the meantime, two days of articles come out of USA Today. So I still haven't made my mind up. I'm down to basically, you know, really Boston College, Notre Dame, and, and Penn State. Uh, even though I like Ohio State, Stanford is just too far. That wiped it off the map. But like Scott's parents, my parents said, we'll try to make every game we can. Uh, my dad was still working. We're not, we're a middle class family. But uh, I kept in my mind that I would like them to be you know, within driving distance. Um, but what, changed, what made my decision uh, was, I said, my gut. That's where my gut came in. I had my list. I probably didn't have it as formally uh, set up as Scott. And my parents were exhausted. They said, do what you want to. <laughs> um, I, my gut. And I said, well, awesome. if I want to play against the best talent and go to the best academic <clears throat> slash football opportunity that I have, combined, and what everybody says, which I said back at 17 years old, where do I want to be for 40 years from now, and do I want to play the best teams in the country, and if we do win there, are we the biggest on the West Coast, East Coast, Midwest, or are we the biggest in the country? And Scott and I have found out, as you win, you're big internationally. So that's how I ended up choosing, choosing their game. Unfortunately, Coach Holtz came in, and then unfortunately, guy players like Scott came in, we had a lot of success. I I have I gotta tell you I didn't my I didn't know where Notre Dame was until my junior year in in high school because you know here I'm in the Metro Detroit area right. Michigan Michigan State Ohio State Virginia, you know my dad because Virginia we used to go down to Deerham with all his cronies back in the day you know uh, all the time so I didn't even know I got a letter from. Um, Notre Dame. I'm like, where's this school? I didn't even know. It's only three hours from Detroit, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and my high school coach was really good friends with Jerry Faust. Um, and it's a long story short, Jerry actually spoke at our my senior uh, basketball uh, or uh, football banquet. Ironically enough, and um, really nice, you know, nice man. And but he, you know, he was he was on his way out at the time. But um, I. I didn't even know where the school was. You know, I'm like, what's this? I have no clue, right? So that's, I mean, (laughs) and then you go to the visit, and, you know, your first time there, and it was, you know, my dad, when I I got the letter, my dad was like, whoa, Notre Dame, that's that's a big deal, you know? And I said, well, you know, I had the same thing, because I wanted to go play, you know, the top level and, you know, and and play against all the best players, because Todd Light was from Flint, and Todd and I, you know, knew each other from – we didn't play against each other, but I, I, you know, knew Todd was being recruited by them or by Notre Dame and others, lots of other schools. Todd was an incredible high school player, incredible player in general. Um, and, you know, I, my signing day, George Kelly drove up to Flint to sign Todd first, and then he showed up at my door after, I don't know, you know, a couple hours after, 
to get the you know national letter of intent signed uh, on that day it was uh, it was pretty fu- pretty funny. But and it was it was really kind of you know anticlimactic too, right? You know, all things over, you signed a deal. Hey, congrats. okay, see you later, and then you're all, you know, it's over. So, what great memories that you guys have both provided. We we just tip of the iceberg with you guys. Yeah, no if you're okay, I might check to see about coming back for the the, the first playoff game. And stuff too, because we got three more players that are we're getting backed up oh, here and stuff today. Yep. So if <laughs> no. you guys don't mind, those are great stories. We appreciate yeah. your time. I will get yeah. with you because we are going to be playing in that playoff game. So we're going to be there one way or the other. So I'll January get with 1st. you guys. And you got it. You guys. In the meantime, have a merry Christmas and stay healthy, both of you. Thank Scott you, Kulowski and Ned Bokar. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Happy holidays. Bye-bye. You too. We'll be back with uh, John Goodman, Chris Stewart, and Brandon Newman on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. To Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Game Day is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason tune-up and safety inspection with Legacy Heating and Air. Ensure your family is safe and warm this season. Schedule service online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. We're also brought to you by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Terry Clark in South Bend or Matt Carroll in Mishawaka. By Fisher's Barbecue and Catering. Visit their new location at 213 East McKinley Avenue in Mishawaka for drive through carry-out, or catering. Just look for the smoke. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Not all heroes wear capes. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana reminds us all that we can play a role in ending hunger in our communities. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Four Winds South Bend, escape the everyday. By Genesis Products, Inc., CDLA Drivers Wanted. Email your name and phone number to driverswanted at genesisproductsinc.com. Genesis pays you what you're worth, $23 to $26 an hour for CDLA Drivers. And by Industrial Door of Northern Indiana, dedicated to providing the best in garage doors. Tim? Hey, Vince. Man, I'm about 4.30, 5 o'clock. I'd love some of that uh, Fisher's Barbecue t- today. I might have to stop there on the way home today. Smart man. Anyway, so this is indeed the uh, Legacy Heating Air Game Day show on WSBT, and we're continue our talk as we're getting set up for the game at 4 p.m. today. We'll be right here on WSBT. You don't have to change the channel at all. It's supposed to be about 48 degrees, perfect weather for football uh, in Charlotte today. So our next guest... Played in the 2000s, and uh, we had uh, players from the 80s, and we got players from the 70s later on, and 90s, so we're just covering all the decades and stuff. We got with us uh, John Goodman, receiver, and Brandon Newman, D-line. Hi, guys. Good morning. We got Chris Stewart as well. Oh, is Chris there now? Yes, sir. Chris, so Hey, everybody. Why? Hey, Chris, you okay? Doing all right? How are y'all doing? We're good. We're doing you well. Get, you don't get to see the pretty faces of your teammates here. <laughs> I miss you, Stu. Uh, Chris is speechless with that. You know, I guess you probably, see probably, your guys' faces anyway. Yeah, I probably seen uh, Stu sooner than that. We were in L.A. Uh, about a couple years ago, actually, and I just missed beating them in the O-line, D-line drills. Oh, wow. Now, that's what we like. Well, I, I talking at, here. I'd like to think I look a little bit better now, B. <laughs> hey, John. You know this we're lucky to have three of you here today. How close do you guys from your teams that you played with do you stay in touch with teammates? John? Uh, I, yeah, absolutely. I I mean, so there's a you probably heard of this, but but Mike Golick is is was um 
um, put it out there. I don't think many people knew, but the question was on, on his sports show one morning was how long is the longest group text you've had? And he mentioned <laughs> our, our football player group text, which, um, well, Brandon's not on it because he had a, uh, uh, what was that type of phone? I, that was, I, was, I was team Android for a very, very long time. It was, but yes, the, that I, the existence of that group text was the only reason. I was like, you know what? I might go ahead and get iPhone one of these days. So I, was, yeah, I, was the, I was the immediate, you know, the relay source, the liaison there for, for many years. Um, still to the day. So, anyways, that one has a variety of guys on it. It's got, you know, Floyd, D-Mac, Mulvey, Dane, uh, Golick, Rudy. Um, Trevor Lawrence, Jonas. <laughs> Look, I, I'm not on the I just know everyone that's in it. <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, to answer your question, we have certainly stayed in touch. I haven't stayed in touch enough with Big Stu. I love Big Stu, don't get me wrong. But uh, – so I apologize, Stu, for not having given you a call in the last couple of years, but you know how it goes. <laughs> hey, hey, oh, man, uh, you're good. You, you're good. It's one of those situations where, you know, you, you don't talk in a long time, and all of a sudden, five minutes later, like, you, you're all caught up. So Exactly. Hey, Chris, let's start with you, and then we'll go, go around the horn here, because we've had other players from other teams talk about uh, texting during the game and everything. What kind of fan are you when you're watching the game these days? Yeah, I mean, you know, to be honest, I'm I'm a I'm a okay fan. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a lawyer here in New York, and unfortunately, that that makes me work ungodly amounts of hours. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I try every Saturday to to pull up and uh, and watch the game um, with, uh, with with without either by myself or or I'll try and start texting some people and see you know if there you know <laughs> someone told me like as as you get older you know the, the football stories get more grandeur and, and and the experiences get better as the team plays better so you know i'm, I'm constantly texting uh some some people um especially guys is weird i was there for a while so you know guys who were you know, a lot older than me like you know even ryan harris when he's online and, uh, and and giving radio shows, I'm like, <laughs> you, you know, you you got something, you got to fly on your chest or something. So you know, I, I have fun with it. Hey, Brandon, how about you as a fan? We've heard some crazy stories. Actually, you mentioned John uh, Mike Goley Jr. He told us that he was in a hotel room one time and he threw the remote across the room. He was so mad. Brandon, what kind of fan are you? <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I, I don't. I I find myself with my phone away from when I'm watching the games uh, and kind of catching up with everyone afterwards. Like you see this play, you see that play, because uh, I'm superstitious in that way. If I didn't start off texting or even like tweeting about the game, if I didn't start off tweeting from the snap, I'm not going to jump in at any point in time. I'll jump in afterwards. But uh, it is a lot of uh, uh, talking to, I mean, with the glue, Mike Gold Jr., he's the glue for everyone. But uh, kind of uh, hitting those guys up, Captain Lewis Moore, specifically talking about D-line play. And uh, it's always fun to text people who have jersey numbers that match. We've got the jersey twins out there. I see a number 81 do anything. I'm hitting up John Goodman and, uh, and, and hollering at him. But, uh, but no, it, it, it is. It's, uh, it's, it's, especially now we're so removed. Um, it's always like, hey, do you know this kid? Like, where, where does this kid come from? Like, uh, talking specifically about the players uh, on, on the team. But I, I tell you what, my my fandom is still there. I, I definitely get emotional and, and and question why this move was made and why this other move was made, uh, especially during the game. Uh, you know, I, 
I'm the type of guy. I, I come from the land where uh, Charlie Weiss used to do a, a draw play on fourth and seventeen or, or third and seventeen. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs> we, don't, we don't have James Aldridge out there. What are we doing? Uh, but, uh, yeah, they're always playing quarterback uh, for, uh, uh, head coach from my couch. <laughs> that was Brandon Newman around the Legacy you, you don't miss Game Day Show on WSBT. John, you, know, you, you look those draw plays, man. There you go. <laughs> it's, 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 terrible. it's terrible. You it's terrible. They were for you to watch. Like try try blocking on fourth and, and twenty five. <laughs> Damn, bro. <laughs> <laughs> hey John, what do you do when you're watching? Are you looking as a? Can you do it as a fan? Are you looking as receiver? You look checking out coverages and everything. Yeah, I I always check out the the uh, the secondary and the receiving core. And um, actually, you know, Ben Skronik is a Fort Wayne kid himself, so I I enjoyed keeping up with the players. And frankly, you know, my my fandom goes all the way back to since, since I was born, obviously. Um, and Brandon and I were uh, two of the, like the, in our class of recruits, um, probably met each other uh, other than Braxton. I mean, yeah, the first junior, to meet. Uh, seniors, yes, uh, junior in high school, seniors in high school when we became friends. And oh, wow. so, yeah, and so Brax or so Newman found out then that Braxton and I, you know, being from Indiana, what kind of fans we were. Um, you just grew up with it. So, I mean, I, I find myself being extremely critical, but over the years, every I feel like almost every even, you know, every year since what's been ten or eight years now, um, I find myself just backing off a little bit more and saying, look, you know, I just know that from even a game to game standpoint, things change so much. You don't know what's going on in that coaching room. You don't know what's going on right. um, administratively and, and the players and so on and so forth, what they're going through. Um mm-hmm. You know, there's there's so much adversity that's that's at hand from a week to week basis, year to year basis. I just I I try not to be so critical because I'm I coach a little bit of fo- uh, high school football down here in Indy, but I'm not I'm not at the college level anymore like I was eight years ago. Sure, so. sure. Hey, Chris Stewart, um, you mentioned in uh, the, about lo- being a lawyer. You were in 2010 the only law student playing in major college football. What kind of pressure did that pressure did that have onto you during your your football season? You see, you see these gray hairs <laughs> that came in. I, I didn't, I didn't have that the year before I went to law school and was playing. I, I swear <laughs> to God, it, it started a trend that I'm hoping is going to subside to some degree. Um, it was terrible. <laughs> Every time people ask me, that no one had done it before, is because some things are left to never be tried and done. So, um, but you know what? I, I look back on those days and, and to be honest, I, I had a, a good group of friends um, that that got me through it. Um, and, you know, as it, terrible as that time was for me actually doing that, um, it was great to kind of go through it with a group of guys that, you know, like I said, like whether you talked in the last five minutes or five years, it's like, you know, you're, you're right back to square one. So, um, yeah, short short answer was, it was terrible. Nobody should do that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guy, we're, you know, we're we're on a video call, and, of course, this is a radio show, so nobody can see what we see. But over, over John's left shoulder, he's got his senior day jersey framed, which is an awesome backdrop, by the way. Uh, I wanted to ask the three of you, and, 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 John, I'll start with you since we can see yours. What's sure. your favorite jersey that you've got to hold on to that uh, – you don't necessarily have to have it displayed. What's the favorite one you've got? Yeah, um, 
probably, I mean, probably the national championship jersey. I mean, that game and the memories of the week leading up to that were, I, I don't need, I don't know if you can really surpass that as it pertains to, you know, that level of play and, and, you know, you're playing football your whole life, getting to that point of being in a national championship game, all those memories, all those things come to, come to fruition. This one's good. Actually, this was the Jersey that was worn in the Michigan game. Um, I don't know. I, the senior day was Boston College, but that was the, uh, that's right. I think that was the Shamrock series game we had. And then I've got the, uh, the New York, um, when we played army, I think that oh, was the pinstripe Bowl one. Yeah. Yeah. With the gold numbers, so that was those were nice, um, but yeah, I mean that national championship one. I mean that one is is very special. I might I might have to wear that around the house one of these days. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, how about you? I mean, I this sounds so old and antiquated, but I got to go back to the Hawaii Bowl um, mainly oh, because know. that that speech that we got from Corin Brown before the game, and we had our names on the back of the jersey, and it was just gave us chills at that point in time. I'm sure you guys remember uh, the Yankee Clipper John Ryan, who uh, mm-hmm. took out Charlie Weiss on the sideline, and he was <laughs> he was up in the up in the Raptors during the game, so we didn't get the we didn't get the rah rah speech from from uh, Charlie Weiss at that point in time, so. And going to Hawaii with all our uh, this this entire group, it was it was special. Uh, I think Yo, it was the first you time we, how, we had, how delayed we were. We got there. It was so crazy. Late. The whole trip oh was insane. Oh, Christmas, yeah, Christmas trip. Right, right after finals, we hop on a plane, stop in L.A. They don't let us let us off the plane, then we land in Hawaii. Then we have a full padded practice a couple hours left. With that was no terrible. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was bad, but it was it was kind of a it was it brought us together. We had broke a. a, a a streak of losing bowl games. Right. You guys remember Armando Allen took one to the house. Like it was sure. just all good vibes in that, that Hawaii game. So that, that's one I really do uh, cherish and hold on to. Chris, yeah, Chris. my my mine's different. So um, I, I remember the we we had a game. It was a anniversary with USC. I can't remember which year it was, um, but we came out in like these school bus yellow and green jerseys. And I have a photo, and it was, I think it was early on in my career. I think I had just started, like, really breaking into um, uh, playing in the starting lineup. And, and I remember we, we got killed that game by USC. But um, that, that jersey for me was kind of like the beginning of an era for me. Um, and so I, every time I see that jersey, I have, like, a, the photo of, like, my second or third play or something like that. Um, and I'm actually playing like right tackle, and I, I, that's that's one of my favorites because one, you know, it just makes me look beautiful and, and voluptuous with my wide hips and this and these pants and this and this awkward green jersey. Um, but two, you know, it, it was that like gave me some confidence to move forward with my career and be able to you know really establish myself uh, on the team. It was cool. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Show on WSBT. Tim and Vince here with former Notre Dame receiver John Goodman, O-lineman Chris Stewart, and D-lineman Brandon Newman. So let's go again around here and uh, have you guys analyze what you see in today's Irish from your your position. John, how about you, receiving core? Uh, receiving core has, has definitely um, gotten better throughout the year. Uh, they have uh, exceeded my expectations. Again, I, I told you before I'm pretty critical of, uh, just at the beginning, I mean, going into the season, you know, not expecting to really go undefeated or even, um, well, nobody really knew what to expect, right? That's, but That's for sure. Um, 
But, you know, with, with the way that uh, Ian has played football this year, um, you know, sometimes you may think he gets a little bit of happy feet, but honestly, he knows where he's going. That's the type of guy Kelly wants back there, a guy that's sporadic, maybe looks through his first, second option, and then he has the ability to get out of trouble. And that's that's exactly who I feel like Coach Kelly has wanted at that position for the last time for 10 years or however long he's been there. Um, but that gives the receivers ample opportunity. Um, when you're just running a simple route, you get out of a cut, all of a sudden you see the quarterback scrambling. That's almost impossible for a defensive back to cover sometimes, um, especially, you know, actually we practiced a scramble drill when we were with Coach Kelly. I'm, I guarantee they still do it, especially because Reese is the uh, coordinator. Uh, and it's that's where, that's the way you get open, and that's how you essentially – how we may have uh, scored so many points this year, I think. So that's my assessment. Hey, Chris, we're uh, Nordium's daughter that is being tied in you, but actually it's O-line you also. So what what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, look, anytime you put up this, these numbers and and you can have the kind of success you're having uh, on the, on the offense, um, it it normally goes and 90% of the time it comes down to, you know, what the play up front is like. Um, and, and because of the sets that Notre Dame runs, um, you know, with so many tight ends and, and you know, trying to, to get a different picture um, of the fronts, I mean, it, it really does come down to the offensive line and the tight ends and the backs blocking. We have some good back blocking lately. Um, so, you know, look, it, it, this game is going to be very interesting. It would be interesting to see how, how the two teams come together and how Clemson adjusts. Um, overcoming that loss, you know, and overcoming not having Trevor Lawrence, and um, you know what 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 the defense kind of dials up for um, the offensive line. You know, I'm sure you know their coaches were were really in, uh, tuned into what what worked last game and what didn't. Um, you know, that's the that's the burden of playing the same team twice in one year. So you know, it'd be very interesting to see what new blitzes and what um, new packages and stunts um, the offensive line has to pick up. Um, I obviously am biased. I always watch, you know, the line play and you normally can tell how the, how the play is going to go, um, by watching the line play. So, um, yeah, I'll be tuned into that to see what happens. Um, but I think, I think it'll, I think it'll be good. Um, you know, people keep saying Trevor Lawrence is the X factor and things like that. And that, you know, Hey, the kid's amazing. Um, but you know, the, it doesn't change what the offensive line has to do up front. So, you you know, I'm really looking to see how they handle the second game. In the, in the stats out there, only fourth time in college football history that there's been a, a season rematch. And the loser of records all year long. Look, so let's stats, stats are made to be broken. That's right. Amen. Yeah. I was just saying, you're talking about uh, the defensive, I think, is our X factor on our side. You know, we got Clark mm-hmm. Lee there. And I think one thing that is working well for Notre Dame is that we don't have that. Obviously, you can, you can single out a single player, but the defense as a unit is the star. And, and, and it's not just the offensive line or I'm sorry, the defensive line or the linebackers, our secondaries, some of the, be- the best secondary that we've seen right. for a very, very long time and will need to be. So I think the suffocating nature of what we can do on defense, it's not just the defensive lineman getting sacks. It's the linebackers. It's the star, it's the nickel. It's the corner coming off on a blitz. We're, we're just hard to wrangle. And I hope that can keep Trevor Lawrence on his heels throughout the duration of the game. So I'm really looking for the defense to be the X factor and, and how we come up with the victory today. Absolutely. That's Brandon Newman with Chris Stewart and, and John Goodman, too, as we wrap up here. So as you guys are watching the game today, John, what's your favorite snack that you're going to be munching on? 
We Mike Bullock Jr. had cheese cheeses sitting behind him, a big box like about that. <laughs> so John, what yeah, is the snack on? Mac, I'm gonna have to munch on a couple uh a Twix uh, ice cream bar actually is what I'm gonna Ooh, have to do. I've never there had you go. Water and one hand, two Twix ice cream bars in the other. I'm not gonna <laughs> tell my daughters about that, or because I'll be buying those all the time. Chris, this this is where I I, I say that um, I hate skinny people. I'm gonna be munching on <laughs> veggie straws, bro. <laughs> like that's what I'm gonna be munching on. Because you know what? I'm still big. <laughs> gonna be me, my veggie straws, and maybe some 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 Splenda packets and some and some what do you call it? Uh, some lemonade. The the what is it? zero calorie lemonade? There you go. There you go. Brandon Newman munchies. I was I was gonna say I hate John Goodman as well. I was gonna do uh, right, some right, Beyond right. burgers, some uh, some Beyond sliders. I got them in the oven right now, and I'm gonna be <laughs> nibbling those things. Uh, you know. And, and add mustard, you know, to, that's the most low-cal condiment you got out there. Hey, guys, this has, been a, this has been a hoot. We appreciate you taking the time to join us today. We'll root John Goodman, Chris Stewart, and Brandon uh, Newman. Root the Irish on the victory today. We're looking forward to it. And have a Merry Christmas. You too, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank, Thank you. We'll be back uh, to wrap it up the first hour on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Welcome back to Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. And Game Day is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason tune-up and safety inspection with Legacy Heating and Air. Ensure your family is safe and warm this season. Schedule service online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. We're also brought to you by Irish Realty Steve Smith Team. When buying or selling a home to building and remodeling, go Irish, Irish Realty. By Lechleitner Door, they open all the right doors. By Monterey Mexican Grill, authentic Mexicans serve fresh daily at McKinley and Division in Mishawaka, MontereyMexican.com. By Southland Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. Get a trusted, familiar name as your good neighbor agent. Call Tim today at 232-9981 and by Budweiser. Budweiser locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Tim? Thank you, Vince. It's going to be 48 degrees in Charlotte. We'll all be cozy in uh, wherever your location is going to be to watch the game today. You know, off the air, Vince, I were just talking how much fun these guys seem to have and we seem to have with it that there's never enough time to, to talk. But all the stories are... <laughs> no kidding. Are, I don't know compelling is not the right word because that makes it sound more you know nerdy or something. Just, it's just fun. No, it is compelling because um, you know <laughs> one of the guys said things have changed so much since the, since their recruiting days, uh, even back in the '80s to what it is now. I mean, yesterday I was you know sitting on Twitter hitting the refresh page a bunch of times because two guys committed to Notre Dame right. and they announced via Twitter and. Uh, you know, then you got to get it out on the recruiting websites and irishbreakdown.com and everything. So, uh, things are, are way different than they used to be. I was going to ask those guys what it was like on signing day, but we never even got to that point. No. Uh, cause <laughs> signing day is a lot different now, especially with the early signing period, uh, than it, than it has been ever, uh, right. frankly, especially this year for Notre Dame, you've got early signing period on Wednesday and then you're playing in the ACC championship on Saturday. I mean, Another another weird thing, right? That's crazy. Yeah. That, that's it's crazy. Yeah, this this uh, the whole season. Like I said in the, in the opening, you know, who would ever thought all these different things that 
I wasn't even sure. I was a big person saying that they were going to have to have spring ball. I really didn't think this was all going to pull off. And not only pull it off, they're getting 10, 11, 12 games into. Yeah. You know? Well, but, I think, you know, they, you know, give a lot of credit to the guys behind the scenes and, and, and things of that nature to make this a, a possibility. And um, I was confident they'd get it in, but I think it was empty comp, uh, confidence. You know what I mean? I, it yep. it might have been blind confidence. I had my Pollyanna glasses on, but I, I was confident. You got it. We'll be right back after a short break for the second hour of the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show with members of the 1977 Notre Dame National Championship team, Chris Haynes and Jerome Heavens, plus a publisher of Irish Breakdown, Brian Driscoll, and we'll check in with the Notre Dame Fighting Irish with Dr. Brian Radigan in Charlotte. This is WSBT South Bend. From the pocket, fires to the end zone, caught, touchdown Notre Dame! Wow! Tremble in the fullback spot, motions right, it's a toss to Tyree, Tremble lays the block, and Tyree is in! Touchdown number two of the day for the Irish comes courtesy of the freshman Chris Tyree. Kyber Williams left side, open across the 40, 35, 30, he's got a chance, 20, 10, 5, touchdown Notre Dame! Woo! Wow! <laughs> two seconds left on the play clock, takes the shotgun snap, drops back, stands in. Runs out to his left, got a lot of space. Keeps it across the 15 and the 10. Reaches, reaches for the end zone. Touchdown. Book from the shotgun. Gives to Williams on the left side. Open across the 40, 45, and 50. Running down the 40 on the near sideline. To the 20. It's a foot race. He'll win. Touchdown, Fighting Irish. Book drops back. Floats to the far side of the end zone. Ben Skoranek leaps in the back of the end zone. Touchdown, Notre Dame! And that's the highlights of this wonderful season. Thank you to uh, Matt Embry in the studio for producing that and setting that up for us. We're back for the second hour of game day. Glad you're joining us. We're less than four and a half hours from kickoff right here in the ACC Championship game. So right after our show, stay tuned for Game Day Sports Beat with Darren Pritchett and Sean Styers. That leads into the network pregame show and then kickoff just after 4 p.m. with Paul Burmeister, Ryan, the emotional Harris guy that's who's cheering all there, and Jack Nolan. And your coverage is not over when the game ends after the game. John Sean Styers and Reggie Brooks for the official Notre Dame postgame show all on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Vince, let me ask you, because you do a lot of color, you know what? <laughs> Ryan's emotion. He, he, <laughs> you don't he hear, cracks you don't hear me that. up. He cracks me up. Hey, look, he, he's obviously... He's emotionally tied to the program, so I understand why he gets so excited. I, I learned long ago from my guy, Sean Stiers, step on the play-by-play guy's call. When he's done, then you add your stuff. So, yeah. But uh, that's <laughs> it, it, it's, it's still pretty funny. you got to appreciate the passion. and you know right. He played there, so I get it. But uh, I, I always get a chuckle when I hit, wow, yeah, or I know. yeah, in the background. It's hilarious. Ryan's, Ryan's much bigger than Paul, too, so Paul's not going to – he's just not going to say anything to him. So, so. Hey. <laughs> Talk about a big name coming up right now. He always gives us a gives us a I don't know throws us some shade or something about not that putting him on before big guests before or after. So that's why we set up the highlight reel for you, Brian Driscoll from Irish Breakdown. Good morning. It, it's not about shade, guys. It's for your own benefit. When you've got me between like Brady Quinn and Joe Montana, you're just wasting <laughs> thing with some nobody like me. That's no, all. you're not I, nobody. I always appreciate you guys having me on. Well, we love having <laughs> you on, and I understand you're in uh, Charlotte. I am, yes, sir. Just went and got my parking pass for the game today. Uh, going to be leaving here in a little bit to head down there and 
you know, when, when Notre Dame has the tradition that it does, someone my age who's only been on the beat for a decade, you don't get a lot experience a lot of firsts in Notre mm-hmm. Dame history, especially a lot of positive firsts. So I'm very excited and honored uh, to be able to cover the first conference championship game in Notre Dame history. So it's a very exciting time to, to be on the beat and certainly for Notre Dame fans. Hopefully the last for quite a time, well, quite a while as well. There you go. Have you <laughs> ever been to Charlotte City? You ever been to the Charlotte Stadium before or where they're playing in Charlotte today? Uh I don't think so. Um, I don't think I've covered a game there, no. And I've okay. never been to a Panthers game. I'm not really an NFL guy. Now, they're allowing fans there, correct? About 5,000, yeah. 5, it's going to be mostly yeah. parents of the two teams, but there are some uh, some fans that were able to spend a lot of their hard-earned dollars <laughs> to uh, buy, buy four. Uh, I, I was told one guy I know bought it. I believe he was paying four figures for a ticket. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. And, Supply and demand, baby. <laughs> yeah, you're not kidding. It, demand a whole not a lot of supply. Speaking of fans in the stands, I want we, we talked about this a little bit in the first hour. I wanted to get your take on it, and uh, you know, I know you put your take out on IrishBreakdown.com, uh, but uh, so I know what you're going to say. But I want you to give our listeners your thoughts on Brian Kelly's comments about you know the Rose Bowl and not allowing any fans in there and how they're not happy uh, about the parents not being able to watch their kids if that's where Notre Dame is going to be headed on January 1st. If I wasn't sitting on an airplane when he made that statement, I would have got up and given him a standing ovation. Otherwise, it would have just looked weird being on an airplane and they might have had to call the marshal. That's right. Uh, uh, you know, look, here's where I'm coming from, guys. If we're Let's put aside whatever your, your feeling, scientific feeling, political feeling, whatever the case may be about COVID and the pandemic and all those kind of things. Let's just use some simple logic. It's safe enough for players to fly to California, stay overnight in a hotel, get on a bus, drive to the game, compete against each other on the field, and then go home. But it's not safe enough for their parents to fly to California, get on a van, drive to the stadium, be you know, several hundred feet away from the players and attend the game, it doesn't make sense. Either it's not safe enough for either so- either party to be there or it's safe enough for both parties to be there. And it just it's an illogical decision. It, it just shows an, a, an utter lack of leadership by the decision makers of the college football playoff, which is not the NCAA, by the way, uh, to say we're going to have this game in an empty stadium when – it would be very easy, and they're within their right, to say we're going to play this somewhere where at the very least we can have families of these coaches and these players and these people that are part of these programs who've sacrificed so much the last several months. And Brian Kelly wisely used the leverage he has at the moment to try to force a decision, and Dabo Sweeney did the same he thing. Right. He was forceful with it. He didn't say mm-hmm. we're not going to play either, but he did back up Brian Kelly in a lot of ways. All right, we're with Irish Breakdowns, Brian Driscoll, in our Who Are You segment. We're going to keep this somewhat segment because I just want to get your guys' feel for the game in general. But right now, Brian, who will be the offensive player from each team that we're going to be talking about at 9 p.m. tonight? Um, you know, if Notre Dame wins this game, my game ball, Vince and I did a podcast earlier this week, and my game ball went to Michael Mayer because I feel like if Notre Dame is going to win this game, Clemson is a tremendously well-coached team. They're going to say we're not going to let Javon McKinley beat us and we're going to try to not let Kyron Williams beat us. Somebody else is going to have to step up, and I believe Michael Mayer is going to be that guy. I think he's going to want a little bit of redemption for the mistakes he made in the first game. And uh, I just have a feeling that the young stud's going to have a big day for Notre Dame if they're going to win this game. So if uh, Clemson wins, I don't know, it's probably an obvious, who's going to be the offensive player we're going to be talking about at 9 p.m. tonight? 
It's going to be Trevor Lawrence. It's going to be the, the even if he doesn't necessarily play great, it's going to be well. You know, his leadership and all these other things are why they won this game. So I think if Clemson wins this game, it's going to be about the fact that they did have their leader back, the guy that's thirty three and one that's been through all the battles. Uh, he's the reason that they're going to win. Is is going to be the mantra, whether whether that's it or not. Or uh, the, the only exception would be if Travis Etienne goes off in this game after getting dominated in the first game. I think that's the only guy that would be willing to take some of the shine off of Trevor Lawrence should the Tigers win. Hey, Vince, I'm going to make it more tough for you. You can't use either one of those players for your answers. That's harsh. So for uh, Notre Dame. Uh, yes, it's it not is. Really, it's not really fair, but I'll take it. <laughs> then be the rules, as you say. Um, well, on the podcast, I picked Kyron Williams. I, I think that he's going to be poised to have a big game because I think Notre Dame has such an advantage in the trenches uh, on both sides of the ball. Now, Tyler Davis coming back for Clemson on that defensive line is going to be a challenge for Notre Dame. There's no question about it. Uh, It makes that defensive line better. But I still think that Notre Dame overall has that advantage from the offensive line. Uh, And I think Kyron Williams will be the person that will uh, benefit from that advantage. So I'll take Kyron Williams in the run game uh, for for Notre Dame on the offensive side. How about uh, for Clemson? Well, I mean, Brian took both uh, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, so I'm not really sure, <laughs> you know, uh, which way to go here on this one. You know, hey, I just pick, pick, you think it's going to be Trevor Lawrence also? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go away from Trevor Lawrence. I mean, that's the storyline going into this game, right? I mean, it, it's the fact that Trevor Lawrence didn't play in the last game, so if they win, all fingers are going to be pointing towards Trevor Lawrence and what he brought to the game, even though his stats will most likely not be as good uh, as DJ Ui Ungalale's stats were, I, he's not probably going to throw for over 400 yards. Um, he'll rush for more yards, most likely, and and he'll be more efficient with the yards that he gets. So uh, I think that everybody is going to point to 16 and white if Clemson happens to walk away with the victory. That's Vince. I'm Tim. We're talking with uh, Irish Breakdown's Brian Driscoll. So let's just go right to the thing. We've got four minutes left in this segment. Uh, Brian, what does Notre Dame have to do to win today? on both sides of the ball? I think for the first time uh, in a very, very long time, my my advice for Notre Dame is play your game. I think for the first time in one of these matchups, I believe Notre Dame has the top-to-bottom better team. Clemson's better at some spots, but I think Notre Dame's the better team. Play your game. And what is Notre Dame's game? It's winning in the trenches, right? It's dominating the line of scrimmage. It's getting movement on the offensive side of the ball getting penetration and throwing off the timing of the Clemson run game, not letting Trevor Lawrence getting comfortable in the pocket. So it's about playing your game and then clean up the mistakes that cost you uh, the ability to dominate the first game. Look, guys, if Notre Dame plays a clean game against Clemson, we're not talking about how Notre Dame won in double overtime. We're talking about how Notre Dame won by double touch, double digits. You know, if they're turning those, those false starts, drop passes, fumbling in the end zone, and they're just putting the ball in the end zone like they should and not making those mistakes, it's a 10-17 to 17 point win. So they got to play their game. That's the key for Notre Dame today. Vince? Yeah, I mean, you can't disagree with anything that Brian just said. I I just feel like, uh, you know, they scored touchdowns on their first drive of regulation and their last drive of regulation. So they've got to be more productive getting the ball into the end zone between those two times. Uh, A lot of field goals happened, obviously, in the last game. I think it was four. Uh, Those field goals need to be touchdowns. Uh, If if Notre Dame wants to stay in this game offensively, I – I like where the defense is. I think the defense is going to uh, have a standout game. Uh, but again, and Brian mentioned it, and I mentioned it in my last comments, Notre Dame needs to dominate the trenches, and, and they're better there. The Notre Dame's offensive line is better than Clemson's defensive line, and Notre Dame's defensive line is way better than Clemson's offensive line. So they have to keep 
Trevor Lawrence on his toes. They, they can't let him just hang out in the pocket. He's the number one quarterback uh, as, as far as QB rating in the ACC when he's allowed to just chill in the pocket. He's 13th when he's outside the pocket, right? So we got to get him outside the pocket if you're Notre Dame. You, you have to get him on the move uh, because then I think Notre Dame is going to have a good opportunity in this game. So control the trenches and uh, finish drives in the end zone, not between the goalposts. Brian, what do you think? High scoring, low scoring, middle range? I think it's going to be about about what it was last time in regulation. You know, I think if you look at this matchup, what's what's interesting is the Notre Dame defense held Clemson to fewer points in regulation in the playoff game two years ago than they did in the regular season game on November 7th. You know, Clemson and all their big games, all their playoff games, they've only been held under 30 points twice uh, when when they've had a dynamic quarterback. So I think they're going to score. It's just about not letting them go off. I see like a a 30 to 27, 33 to 30 type of regulation game. I have the final being 36, 33 in Notre Dame's favor in overtime. I see Clemson's kicking the field goal their first overtime and then Notre Dame put in the end zone. That was kind of my, you know, my heart leading me to that prediction. But I, I think it's going to be a similar game. Notre Dame's not going to win this game 17 to 14. Clemson's not going to win this game 17 to 14. There's going to be some offense and it's going to be about which offense can make the fewest mistakes and which defense can make the most stops. Fair enough. Brian Driscoll from Irish Breakdown. Tell our listeners how they can get more info. You can go to irishbreakdown.com. Obviously, we have a lot of recruiting stuff up since it's still signing day, but of course, we're going to recap this game. We've got a podcast now you can find on all different types of platforms. Just type in Irish Breakdown. And uh, Vince and I, within the last uh, few weeks, also launched a YouTube channel, an Irish Breakdown YouTube channel. So we're trying to get information to y'all as many ways as possible. And I appreciate you guys allowing me on and to allow me to share what we're doing with uh, with Notre Dame fans. As we go to break, how many Mountain Dews are you going to have today? Well, I'm on my third. Not enough. I slept about 10 hours this week with signing day and get ready for the game, guys. So if I don't have that, if I don't pound Mountain Dews today, you're going to hear me snoring at, at halftime of the game today. I think you have to walk over and, like, wake me up, you know, in the middle of the game if I don't keep pounding Mountain Dews. How about this? Uh, you, te- you text Vince what's going on because I'm always texting him during the game. So you can, you can, I can get the inside information if the receivers are really open or not or what's going on. Sounds okay? good. We'll do. All right. We'll do. Thanks, Scott. We'll, we'll talk to you on January 1st again. Sounds good. Stay Thanks with- for having me on, guys. You're welcome. Stay with us. We're back after a short break with Chris Haynes and Jerome Evans from the 1977 National Championship team on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT, your home for the Fighting Irish. Back to Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Game Day is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason tune-up and safety inspection with Legacy Heating and Air. Ensure your family is safe and warm this season. Schedule service online at Legacy Heating and Air, Inc. Also brought to you by Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing. Contact Terry Clark in South Bend or Matt Carroll in Mishawaka. By Fisher's Barbecue and Catering. Visit their new location at 213 East McKinley Avenue in Mishawaka for drive-thru, carry-out, or catering. Just look for the smoke. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Not all heroes wear capes. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana team reminds us that we can all play a role in ending hunger in our communities. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Four Winds South Bend, Escape the Everyday. And by Genesis Products, CDL Drivers Wanted. Email your name and phone numbers to driverswanted 
at genesisproductsinc.com. Genesis pays you what you're worth, $23 to $26 an hour for CDLA drivers. And by Industrial Door of Northern Indiana, dedicated to providing the best in garage doors. Tim? Thanks, Vince. And those are our sponsors that make it possible. We hope you frequent them. And the game, we're getting closer and closer to the ACC championship game later today. Um, it's going to be about 48 degrees, so good football weather there. Um, our next guests are from the 1977 National Championship team, running back Jerome Heavens and receiver Chris Haynes. What we love about these interviews, guys, when we have them on, is we like to have the smack that goes back and forth. So I'm going to start with this, Chris. You had one rush for 25 yards in your career at Notre Dame. So why no more? 25 yards. Hey, Jerome, did you did you average 25 yards a rush? Mm, no. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely so, not. So were you part of keeping Chris from uh, the running back saying, no, Chris, he's not getting any more, uh, no more carries? No, 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 no. <laughs> hey, I, I, hey I, after after what I've gone through in the last 40, 40 plus years from playing, not playing any ball, I wish I had played defense maybe. You know, getting hit, getting hit every play is nothing not that night. But Chris, you know do you remember? Yeah, go ahead. I'm so, I'm sorry, Jerome. No, go ahead. go ahead. No, Chris, do you remember that? Yeah, I remember. And I was I uh, I was an all state first team running back and had Jimmy Browner, Bob Golick, Tom Cousin on defense when I was over there. I was a running back on the South Squad and uh, uh, said, I think maybe these guys are kind of big. And then after getting hit a couple times, I said, I think <laughs> when I got to Notre Dame, I want to go outside. Uh, but I, you know, I used to do the cutback and I uh, got that ball against Miami and ran it. And I did my little juke, cut it back <laughs> like it did in high school. And lo and behold, there was a faster guys in college at University of Miami. And there, the guy got <laughs> me on the cutback. I had nothing but green grass or green pasture turf. And, and that guy got me right from behind. I was like, oh, wow. So uh, <laughs> they never, I, I don't understand why they never let me run again. But, uh, that was going to be my question. 25 yards well, of run. What the heck's going on? I, I, don't, I don't get it. I had a couple, I had a punt return for a touchdown in a uh, JV game one time against Northwestern. And they never, I never saw this <laughs> kickoff, anything. Did in the pros a little bit, you know. But. Right. Hey, and Jerome, you were a record breaking uh, running back at the time. And uh, I know you supported like a few years ago, Josh Adam breaking your record. Are you of the of the mind records are to be broken, Jerome? Yeah, the game is changing. It's changing every day. I mean, I, before this conversation, uh, the interview that this morning that we're having, I mean, so much happens every day. Yeah, records are made to be broken, but you know, uh, the safety of these ball players that are out there, you know, it's uh, it's just changing. Because hey, what were we doing? We were running the, running the ball. Maybe we threw a little bit, but today's game. It's evolved, you know, around the athletes that they have now. And it's, it's a different game now. It's faster. You're throwing the ball a lot more. You're running it. Uh, uh, the emphasis on, on, on football and sports is just totally different. Absolutely. Did you have a favorite running back or professional team that you uh, were watching or following? Always, always. Uh, and Chris, Chris can tell you, I mean, we, we had our – we formed our relationship in 1975. That seemed like that was two centuries ago. But, you know, when he first came in, Chris Lyon, he was in the backfield with, with, with us. And, you know, I didn't know anything about Sydney, Ohio, the city that he's from. And I don't think he, he probably didn't know much about East St. Louis, Illinois, where I'm from. But when you come together, and that's the thing, you know, I just hope these guys in Notre Dame represents. You know, we get guys from all over the country, all over the world now. 
and you come together to 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 to, to form a bond, and we're still close to today. I mean, yeah, I've always had Jim Brown. Uh, 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 we talked about John Riggins, uh, oh, wow. O.J. Simpson, Walter Payton, uh, uh, Gail Sayers. Uh, I, I always wanted to be a running back, but, you know, before we were born, you're talking about the two-platoon system where guys had to go both ways. You never came right. off the field. So now, you know, now if you miss one play, don't make a big play, they pull you, and you probably won't get back in unless, you know <laughs> – it, it, it takes a team now. That's all. But it's, it, it's, it's okay. Hey, guys, I, I, my, my favorite question to ask, uh, especially the guys that played in, like, the 70s and the 80s, is, is to ask how you guys came to Notre Dame. What was your, you know, what was your recruiting like? You know, what made you choose to come to Notre Dame and, and kind of, you know, also the path of the rest of your life? Chris, we'll start with you. Well, I was a uh, big Ohio State fan country, country and uh, – Dad was a Michigan guy. He liked Michigan because Bo was his teammate in Miami of Ohio. And, uh, That's dangerous down there. Girlfriend in Ohio. Was, dad was a big Notre Dame fan, and I, I got tired of him fighting there at the table one time, and <laughs> dinner table, and I'm listening to him go back and forth about Ohio State. I just figured that'd be the place I could go and play it because I did. They, a couple teams wanted me at running back. A couple places wanted me at defensive back. Anybody knew in high school, I was also, uh, you know, I was. Everybody thought I was going to be a safety. Woody Hayes and. Poe, maybe cornerback. I said, man, you guys know how I can tackle. I never – all I – everybody ran away from it. If they were smart, they'd run at me. I couldn't tackle them. <laughs> Chris Haynes, did you have uh, any coaches come to your uh, to your home? Oh, yeah. Who, who would that be? Woody Hayes. And um, story, funny story, my mom told me this. He said, he said well, Woody promised me to never say anything to uh, anybody about this till he died. And uh, we had a Siamese cat, and I have a scar here from Chickapox. The cat was mean, very mean. My dad was, he was, this thing was so mean, but it, would, it hated men. And it would, it, so Woody came to the house one time, and then the thing is, the first time was Woody, I, was, I got a call at Dayton University, at Dayton University, and um, the head coach at Dayton goes, it's for you, and they said, Woody Hayes is at your house. Uh, we have a car for you downstairs, click, and he has to go, see, you have to go. So I get in the car, I go home, and some green cars parked in their lot. And I come in there's Woody. He goes, "Hi, Chris." And he starts talking to my mom and me. And I go to my room. Well, anyway, the story, the long story short, one day Woody came to the house. I wasn't there. And as Woody came in, he's talking to my mom. The cat was on top of the refrigerator and attacked Woody. <laughs> he bit him and scratched him. <laughs> Woody wouldn't come to the house anymore. And he told my mom that just tell him that I'm going to come to high school. So he came to the high school and he never come to my house anymore because he's afraid of cats. <laughs> Don't tell anybody anywhere. <laughs> I'm afraid of this cat. Maybe that was a Michigan's cat. That's why. Of a poor little Siamese cat scaring him away from the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. This is the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show. You, and, uh, the BSBT. you really can't make that up. I would be on TV if I could make stuff like that up. No, that's <laughs> a great, great story. We're with uh, Chris Haynes and Jerome Heavens from the 1977 team. Jerome, how about your recruiting? Anything? Big memories of anything? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty much similar to Chris getting recruited by, you know, people all over all over the country, different schools. Um, um, uh, being from St. Louis is a uh, more – Chris was more of a Big Ten, you know, living in around Ohio State. I was pretty much around the Missouri, the Oklahomas, um, uh, Michigan State recruited pretty heavily. Uh, 
even got Lee Corso to come to the to, to East St. Louis, and I, 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 it's a funny story with him. Man, he he told me something that 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 I said I better make a serious decision. Um, he came there and he you know he said, well, we're we're on up and up and coming program at Indiana, and uh, <laughs> you know we're we're on the verge of turning the corner. And he asked me if I like the deck out in uh um what do you call it the, the nice uniform. And he said, you like you like long white socks, you like the white shoes, and the, we wear the red j- jerseys. I'm like, yeah, Lee, that all sounds, you know, great. But then I got to looking at their record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I got, that, I got that story next when I were with you. Oh, my goodness. Hey, Chris. And they I got had Nebraska, say, Oklahoma, Michigan, Ohio State, and they wanted me to tell back. I think they were cheating on me going after you. But, uh, <laughs> that was it. Came well, I, got, I guess – Came that was Lee. Who was John? John son. John yeah. son. Jim Gruden and Lee and Mom cooked dinner, so they had dinner, and we had a really small table that you had to put stuff in. And Lee uh, goes smacks the table. He goes, he had we had milk for spaghetti. That's what whatever I had, he had. And he smacks the table. He goes, we want you here at Indiana, but the milk overflowed all over, spilled all over the. <laughs> <laughs> stories. Well, I guess that them stories are good. Lee was that's what he was hey. real incredible. Yeah, I liked him, though. He, you know, he's a nice guy. He he's a very nice guy. Yeah. It did, but that, that you saw the same schedule I did. That's exactly why. I oh my goodness! And that's the thing. Going to how could I? I graduated from a high school of about three hundred and seventy-five boys, and we 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 was pretty talented or whatever. But you know, to compare like an Indiana to a Notre Dame, but it came pretty. It came down to almost Oklahoma and Nebraska for me. And, you know, we have to say it. I mean, you know, you put in all your time growing up as as youngsters. You want to get an education. You want to play quality football. But I think it came down to my mother making the decision for me. She said, you can go to Notre You're going to Notre Dame. Because, (laughs) I mean, if it doesn't work at Notre Dame, you can still go to any university in the country. But your academics are going to be first. And, you know, uh, uh, first and foremost, I was one of the first uh, siblings in our, in our family to, to get an opportunity to go to the best, well, the best university, you know, in the world. And uh, those relationships and getting an education, obtaining a, a national championship, tri-captain of a team, started for four years. I mean, what more could a kid want? Right. Couldn't make a better decision, man. No, no, we all did. You know, and that's one thing that I was going to mention because I got I was looking at something, you know, on our national championship team. And I think this is unheard of. We had from that national championship team, there was close to like 20, 20 plus guys that got drafted. That's unheard wow. of. Yes. You, know, you know, I mean, that, that just shows you the type of character. We had some we had some good talent at Notre Dame. I'm going to pick out – you guys had a long story careers. I'm just going to pick out two two games uh, one at a time here with your thoughts on it. Chris, any thoughts on the uh, 38-10 Cotton Bowl win um, over Texas? Uh, yeah, we, it was 38-10. to 10. Yeah. Yes. We uh, we kicked there. You know, I, Ross Brown called me the other day, and we were talking about that game. And we were talking about all the Texas trash talking they were doing to us at the luncheon, and I think we just – you know, we had such a good team. I, really quick, I know we only had a lot of time, but we had uh, 
we had such a good team that I think we overlooked the Mississippi game because we had beaten Pittsburgh and we were ranked number one. Ooh. And and I think that we going into the rest of the season didn't think we were going to be number one. And I, I know they were number we were number four playing them. And uh, going into that game, I think we weren't thinking about a national championship. In fact, we were support, we beat them. We just wanted to beat them so bad because they were so cocky, the only undefeated team. And we just didn't, we we went so far, you know, just started taunting them in the end of the game because they were so bad before the game. We almost had a brawl there uh, during a lunch. Oh, yeah. Somebody put a cookie, oh, yeah. Texas cookie, in one of the, one of the players, and it just started. So there was some bad blood <laughs> there. And I, I see Steve McMichael all the time, and he still gives me a hard time. I said, I mean, you just can't get over that game, can you? He just ran over you. You know, <laughs> truth be told, I mean, Jerome and Vegas just ran right by you, man. Those are my mm-hmm. buddies. We talk about how <laughs> Brad Shear was out with trouble when it couldn't even hold up a line. Man, we were just ran over you. And he just, he just oh, can't good. He just, it's one thing he hates about it. He just keeps talking about it for years later. And he was one of the starting tackles. So. Jerome, how about your thoughts on the uh, national championship game win against Texas? Oh, man, that was a tremendous day. Um, uh, uh, everyone brought their A game. Um, I almost didn't uh, get a chance. I started the game, but I think maybe on the first or second series, I can remember uh, running a, a, a particular um, play uh, sweep to the right and basically got my helmet split. Uh, oh, I think wow. they would they they would have called it a concussion today, but uh, I put it to you like this: by, by, by the by the great graces of God, I was able to stand up on my feet, get back in there. But it, it all it all worked out. Uh, uh, beautiful beautiful game day, um, man. That I tell you what, that was one day. Earl Campbell was the number one running back in the nation that 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 year. But I tell you what. I would have turned my jersey in because I'm telling you, Bob Golick, Ross Brown, and Willie Fry, yeah. and them guys, they brought they, they beat him so bad that, you know, hey, Jerome, I, they did. He, uh-huh. Did you call that a helmet-to-helmet hit then these days? <laughs> that, was, that was helmet to We would have had no play. That was helmet-to-helmet. Helmet. We had Bob Golick on earlier this year, and he was talking about he could, when we brought up the memories that I can I still feel the hits and everything. He says, but, you know, they were taking it to Earl Campbell. You know, oh, yeah. Earl talks about it. Even though I played against Earl in the pros, and he, one thing he said was maybe the biggest beat he ever took football was that Notre Dame game. Yeah, thirty carries for one hundred two yards. That's that's not a great average. That means you're getting hit a lot. <laughs> sure does. Hey, we've only got about four minutes left, so uh, so each of you in about a minute. I know that's that's terrible to, to limit that, yeah, but the, the 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 chicken soup uh, game, Chris. So I know you caught the uh, winning pass from Joe Montana. You know, towards the end, you guys were down twenty-three. You scored twenty-three points in the in the uh, uh, second or the fourth quarter and held uh, them to zero. So what yeah, we just, I just thought out last week, so I think I'm okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it was uh, all the all the stuff we had to win in the fourth quarter. The win, Joe reminded me that all the touchdowns except for one, I think, scored with the win. So that helped us a little bit because uh, we threw a drone cut pass. So, but anyway, so, yeah, it was uh, surreal. I mean, everything had to happen. Even when Joe fumbled and we got the ball back and talked with Bill Yeoman in Houston, saying if I had a little to do again, I would have still punched the ball right away. Because he just thought that, you know, one yard, he was afraid that we were going to block it again. You know, mm. if you remember, right, they snapped the ball and we got an offside penalty. 
Then right. I made fourth and one, and they went for it, and we stopped them. And then the refs Houston messed up that game. They should have never lost the game. To be honest. Well, because they weren't in the right defense at the end of the game, and I think they were celebrating too early. There you go. Hey, Jerome, uh, memories from that uh, Cotton Bowl, classic Cotton Bowl game that turned into a classic? Hey, I can say this. I'm so glad we have the Chris's mother and father gave birth to him because catching that last pass in that corner of the end zone is still marked as one of the greatest plays yes. in Notre Dame history. <laughs> but no, uh, uh, they, uh, that was a, a, a great moment. And Chris and I, we've we, we talk, we talked about that play. But the comeback, man, I mean, it was Houston was no joke. They jumped all on us. I think they were still, they sent out a memo on us. I guess from that Texas game we played the year before in the Cotton Bowl. <laughs> and I tell you what, it just worked out. Between Chris Haynes and Joe Eunice kicking those two field goals, you know, at the end of the t- – because it was pressure. I mean, we down, we were down big time at halftime, and everyone, you know, came out. It was my last game that I played at Notre Dame. I'll never forget it. But thanks – hey, thanks be to God, man. It worked out. So did both you guys uh, follow, I'm sure, today's Irish? So I'm just going to assume, Chris, 30-second uh, uh, score of the game or what do you think is going to happen in the game? I think well, – I, I don't know. I'm not going to give a prediction because it's, it's – you know, Trevor Lawrence runs a different zone read, but I think everybody has to concentrate on the defense. Oh, the defense is starters back, so they have, to, they have to really concentrate. It's come down to takeaways. We can't give anything up, and we have to get some takeaways. And I'm hoping – I think it's going to be a close game. I don't want to predict it. Of course, I'm rooting for Notre Dame. It's hard to beat somebody twice. Absolutely. Uh, but I don't think Trevor Lawrence is as big as – big as uh, if they get pressure on him, what they're going to have to do, I think I don't think he's going to make that much of a difference. I defensive players, and we got to, we got to control ETN out of the backfield like we did before. You got it. Jerome Evans. Oh, you already know what I'm thinking. You know, <laughs> I want to see – you know, if you if you all can remember, you know when uh, uh, Ronald Reagan played George Gipp in the uh, in the old win one for the Gippers, which drove he said, uh, "Yes, I know." Well, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, and he, and, and Gipp was Billy in there, and he said, "Hey, when the going gets tough, you know, I just want you guys to go out and and and, and win one, just win one for the Gipper." Well, every Saturday Notre Dame plays. That's my that's my mindset. You know, just win one. But I want to see them put so much pressure on that quarterback from Clemson. He's not seeing that. No, it, 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 Everyone just comes together, stay focused, get four good quarters of uh, Notre Dame football. I don't see a problem. I think our MVP of the game may be the field goal kicker. What's it? Jonathan? Jonathan Moore. You can't let him have time to throw. That's all you got to do. You can't let him have time to throw. Right. right. And he can yeah. run, too. Absolutely. But it's going to be a great game. But I want to thank you guys, man, for, you know, giving me a chance to be on this platform today to thank, you know, thank all the people that support Notre Dame. And, yeah, uh, we're in South Bend, but my good friend Chris Haynes and Brian, thanks for, you know, giving me the opportunity just to to say go Irish. And I think we're going to come on top. But we're not there yet. we got to finish the deal. Jerome Heavens and uh, Chris Haynes, we really appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. We want to wish you the merriest of Christmas, and you guys stay healthy, and we'll catch up with you next year. God bless. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you, you guys. God Thank bless. you, gentlemen. All right, Thank you. We'll be back with uh, right. Chief Orthopedic uh, Physician for the Fighting Irish, uh, Dr. Brian Radigan, with the team in Charlotte on WSBT. 
Back to Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. And Game Day is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason tune-up and safety inspection with Legacy Heating and Air. Ensure your family is safe and warm this season. Schedule service online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. We're also brought to you by Irish Realty Steve Smith Team. When buying or selling a home, the building and remodeling, go Irish. Irish Realty by Lechleitner Door. They open all the right doors. By Monterey Mexican Grill. Authentic Mexican serve fresh daily at McKinley and Division in Mishawaka. MontereyMexican.com. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. Get a trusted, familiar name as your good neighbor agent. Call Tim at 232-9981. And by Budweiser. Budweiser, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Tim? Thank you, Vince. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show on WSBT. Stay tuned because we'll be carrying the... uh, Full lineup, including the game, just after 4 o'clock today. Um, always next is our one of our favorites, and you can check in with him. He's with the team. I sometimes forget to remind people that he's a former Notre Dame player and a former Colts player, and that would be the head orthopedic physician for the Fighting Irish, Dr. Brian Radigan. Hey, doctor, what's going on today? Not much. How you doing, Tim? How you doing, Vince? Good. We're, we're doing, doing good. So, um the weather that we're I'm seeing like going to be about 48, not a lot of wind, and no rain, or has anything changed yeah. down there? No, it doesn't look like any rain. It looks perfect, actually. A little cooler than I guess we thought, but it's perfect for the guys. They'll love it. Have no you ever wind, been that in that? No excuses. Have you ever been in that stadium before? No, no, no. no? It's gonna be great. I think it's our. I think 96 was the last time we were down here, wasn't it? it was, I'm not no. sure when it was, but it's been yeah. a while. So did you uh, help feed the team breakfast today or or uh, <laughs> lunch coming up or what's going on? <laughs> Actually, I got the lunch. I got the one o'clock shift. So, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Usually I have brunch, but I don't know. Maybe they wanted me to sleep in today. I don't know if I'd want to reach out. I don't know if I'd want to reach out my hand to put a scoop of something with some of these big guy eaters down there that they might take that uh, spatula spoon right out of your hands. Uh, we're lucky. We got a big plastic visor between us and them, so I'm safe. Oh, okay. Especially the O line. <laughs> Stay away. Exactly. All right. So, uh, give us the feel on the the mood and everything uh, with the team. What you've seen? Yeah, it's great. The guys look good. They feel good. We're pretty healthy coming in. I think uh, overall, everyone just kind of knows it's going to be on the line of scrimmage, right? So we're excited about that. We like our guys a lot. So I think we're uh, we're looking good. Tommy's feeling, Kramer's feeling a lot better. You know, we got over his appendicitis. Um, so I think as far as coming into a game health-wise, we're as good as we're going to be. Looks good. We we heard that uh, Josh Lug is going to get the start at center. Is Zeke Carell healthy enough that if you know so they need him in the game, he can play? Yeah, I, I think everybody down here is ready to go in if they're called on. So I think we're in pretty good shape now. The only one we're missing is J-Pat. Because he had surgery, right. so the guys look right. good. Yeah, I think anyone can play today. They all look great. They all want to, of course. I think it was the last game, or maybe the game before. You know, since he's, we've had all these time off, I saw you in the sideline, and you had to go into the tent with somebody or whatever. Brian, what's the biggest change you've seen from your long career there um, with football medicine, or or on the sideline, or whatever? Is it as simple as the tent there, or 
or what's your perspective? Well, that's, that's one part because of social media and how quickly information travels now. So we've uh, pretty pretty much kept a lid on it from a, an orthopedic side of things and just let the head coach decide. Back in the day, we'd have our own interviews with the media. I don't know oh, if you wow. remember those days. The doc would mm-hmm. talk, and I remember Will Yergler having all kinds of conversations with the media back in the day. <laughs> um, it's just a lot easier to have one voice, and Coach Kelly's going to be the one to do that. So a little more privacy from what we say personally, but it's almost impossible to, to keep things quiet, um, more so for planning for the next team you're about to play usually than it is trying to be a big secret, you know, for anything else. The guy's health. On my end, I get to focus on that. But the tent's a good way because I remember the guy tearing an ACL without the tent. NBC is two feet away on the perimeter at Notre Dame Stadium, videotaping, watching it, seeing the positive Lockman test, which indicates an ACL tear. They're already telling people on TV, ah, it's an ACL tear. You know, the player's crying. It's emotional. So that's gone. That's one thing nice about the tent. We get a little privacy. And uh, you can deal with it, and and especially concussions. You know, the guys aren't aren't usually concussed, but getting that work up with some privacy, no distractions, it can let the docs be better at what they do. Absolutely. We're with uh, Tim and Vince with uh, team head uh, orthopedic physician, Dr. Brian Radigan. So, okay, Brian, you're a former defensive player, so we'll let you take charge today. What's your What's your game plan? Clark Lee is asking for some help to some help today. Oh, really? How's the Vanderbilt? <laughs> yeah, ironically, yeah, ironically, Clark's always calling me for help. I don't know how he does it without me. Um, <laughs> he, uh, all I can say is I'm glad he's on our team, and I would Absolutely. love to be in that meeting to hear how he approaches it. Because talking to the guys, obviously, they love him. And uh, he's one of the best out there. So it's exciting watching the guys get ready with him. And I'll, I'll be anxious to see the game plan myself. I, I don't know that you stop them, but you try to contain them, right? That's an overused expression, but that's what they are. Offense is a bigger part of it. They're always favorite of these quarterbacks, like Sharpley, these guys who drive me nuts back in the old days. <laughs> Those guys are nuts. So I think defensively, uh, the line of scrimmage is everything. I'd love to see us get a ton of pressure on them. Everything, you know, you guys are saying the same stuff I'm saying. I would love to see if there's a, a few wrinkles in there. I'm unaware of any. <laughs> I wish I, I knew it was going to go on. But on the sideline, I'll be constantly picking the brains of the players on the sideline and asking them what we put in this week, what we know, what are we doing, what's this play. I'll be annoying to most of the players. <laughs> but they know you'll, you'll, you'll be there for them if, if, the, if yeah. they did in the worst-case scenario. That's right. That's got to be exciting yeah. to be able to be on the sideline as a former player, too, and, and not just a physician that hadn't played the game but can walk the walk and talk the talk. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it, you know, it helps the guys a little bit just that they can at least relate and know that we're going to try to get them back out there as best we can. But I, I love the game for so many reasons, not just the, the physical side but the mental side of it. The guys are getting so much out of this right now they don't even know and they won't know it for 20 years how much they're getting out of it. So mm-hmm. I just I appreciate it very much, the schemes of it. You know, it's got a, a reputation, as you know, in the past of being just kind of a, you know, a bunch of dumb athletes, right? Well, it's, it's <laughs> far from it. Far from it. These guys are, are brilliant players, and they've got size speed, and you got to think a little bit while you're out there, which is fun. And you can, you can get a guy like Clark Lee to, to educate them 
and the rest of the staff, you know, Ellis and all those guys are, they work well together. So it's, it's a lot of fun watching it all come together. And, you know, once in a while you make a mistake, you just hope it's just not a touchdown. Hey, Doc, I wanted to ask you, since this is the, the first ACC or conference championship game in program history and probably the last for the foreseeable future, uh, I mean, you're around the guys. What What is the talk about? I mean, this is a, a pretty unique opportunity for this team and, and what they're playing for today. Uh, are they excited about it? Are they? I mean, of course they're confident, um, but, again, this is something that they've never experienced before. Uh, what's, what's the feeling like on the team? to tell you it doesn't feel any different <laughs> it's crazy <laughs> it's um, probably good and i love good, that. yeah I, I love that i'm down here. the only thing different is you know on all the elevators when you go to the bowl games they have you know acc championship they got notre dame logos there's like stickers everywhere the <laughs> hotel keys has notre dame acc championship like all the little things the bells and whistles that come with like a bowl game we're seeing a little bit of that here but there's no fanfare. They don't have a parade because of COVID, right? So, right. I mean, maybe it's a disappointment because we're catching it on a year where there's less external excitement. But personally, I'm a fan of less uh, distractions. So I think it just seems like a regular game. You know, we, and there aren't, there's a couple extra players that they brought, but not really. I mean, it's just, uh, it's one of those things that I think there was some excitement leading up to it and it's neat to be in. But now that we're here, uh, with COVID, maybe that was just by necessity brought it down and brought the excitement down a little bit from being distracted. All right, we got about 30 seconds in this segment. So uh, what do you think? High scoring, low scoring, in between? I, I, I think it'll be high scoring still. I, mean, I think we're going to need to score, obviously, because they're probably going to. But I think in the high 20s, low 30s would be a fair guess. It's going to be hard to shut both teams down um maybe we can just go on these nine minute drives right and just keep the the score low but i can't wait to find out i just hope it's not a a turnover game on our end and it is on theirs you you have these dreams of beating them 49 to nothing right you just just (laughs) of course so i keep i keep feeling that which makes me feel good i would love to see it but right now i take a win by one it would be just fine Hey, Brian, you, we really do, Vincent. I appreciate the time you always take to spend with us. Um, we both wish you um, a merriest of Christmases, and we won't be able to talk to you till next year, but that will be right. either New, New Orleans or um, Pasadena. We'll be talking to you if you're willing. I love it. I love it. All I right. hope that's the case. So, yeah, I'm going to go serve some food. Good luck. Okay, go, go Irish. I'm good. All right, go Irish. Thanks, Brian. Hey, so Vince, uh, you got a minute here. Tell me about your thoughts for the Sunrise of the Game. Well, th- th- look, this is uh, just as exciting as round one, right? I mean, coming into round two, you know, Notre Dame has the win. They got that win in their back pocket, which is great, which, you know, I think makes them a lock for the college football championship. So they, they, they've got that going for them. Um, but, look, the opportunity to win a conference title is huge for Notre Dame, not only in the micro, like for this year, but also in the macro for, you know, the legacy of Brian Kelly, for what this means to recruiting. I mean, you name it. Beating Clemson twice in one year is is something that you can really notch on your belt uh, and, and use on the recruiting trail. Uh, this is going to be a tough game. You know, Notre Dame, I mean, Clemson is going to get back uh, three really, really good defensive players. Uh, probably three of their best four defensive players. Uh, you could arguably say the best three. Uh, so that's going to be a challenge. Um, and and of course Trevor Lawrence. So I I this this pains me to say it, but I think Clemson wins uh, a close game. 
I've got 27, 24 uh, for the Tigers. I hope, beyond hope, that I'm wrong. Let me tell you. Yeah, otherwise, like my mom used to say, I'd wash her mouth out with soap. <laughs> yeah, that's right. My mother-in-law already texted me telling me that I'm a traitor. So there you go. All right, our next show will be prior to the national uh, playoff semifinals on New Year's Day. Stay tuned to WSBT for the time for the show. We'll have a lineup of guests befitting a national playoff game, and we hope you join us. For Vince D'Addario and Matt Embry back in the studio, this is Tim Growl. We wish you the happiest of holidays, and thank you for listening to the Legacy and Heating Game Day show on your home Friday World Football Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 